Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Razzball Fantasy Hockey Podcast. This is Ree, joined by Viz, as always. Viz, April Fool's Day is uh, past us now, so no more pranks on the podcast. Um, how's the rest of your, uh, how's your bracket going? Uh, I guess since March Madness well is yours. No, not as yeah, well as mine. I, uh, I originally had Villanova in one of my – I put two brackets in. I originally had Villanova winning in one of them, but I decided that I put them in the Final Four and had Duke beating them because I had West Virginia winning in the other one, who I still think is the second-best team in the country. But regardless, it, I my dream would be then if West Virginia did get to the point where they played Duke – no matter who won, I was going to win the whole thing because I'd be the only one having the – so I tried to live the dream, and it did not work. Villanova was – I really think they were the best college basketball team I've ever seen. They were absolutely lights out basically every game. They were just incredible. Yeah. Um, so I had Villanova to win my bracket. Um, I also had Michigan making it to the Final Four as well. So – I think when it like I also had Arizona and Michigan State also going to the final four. So after the first weekend, I thought my bracket was completely <laughs> dead. But as long right. I guess the rule of thumb is as long as your national champion is still alive, you always have a shot. You always have a shot at winning your bracket because the national champion is so many points. Yeah, for sure. That it'll overcome everything else for the most part but um anyway so let's get into hockey because they also do their own bracket thing um we're not going to get into the uh argument of whether they should move to a pick your poison playoff system where the first place team gets to pick their opponent then the second team gets to pick their opponent and so on and so forth we're not going to get into that yet because i i really think if they wanted to get ahead of every other sport that's it. You want to create a rivalry? That that would be how you do it right there. You essentially tell the team, listen, we think we can beat you pretty easily. Like, okay. And then the other team's like, oh, you think you can beat us pretty easily? Nuh-uh. And then they get into it. Yeah, a, that, it would be some pretty good smack talk, that's for sure. Yes, then you would have a rivalry. <laughs> if all, And it would have to be, like, the captains of each team going up there making the selection. <laughs> Because right. it'd be really lame if it was like it. it'd be really lame if it was like an owner or a GM or a coach. Mm. But anyways, um, let's get into some uh, injury news. Because for those of you that are still alive in fantasy hockey, this is your championship week, or the second right. half of the championship week. I think. Um, so, Fizz, why don't you run down some injuries for us? I mean, the big ones are, I mean, Ryan Sutter is done for the year, broke his leg, and that's just uh, devastating for the Wilds' playoff chances. I mean, he's a guy, he's playing 30 minutes a game in the playoffs. Uh, Winnipeg, that's basically the one matchup that we know that is locked in, is uh, Winnipeg versus Minnesota in the first round. It would take something extreme for that not to happen, uh, and it's just a huge edge for Winnipeg, which it's good. You know, they're a team that hasn't had any playoff success yet. Uh, some guys on the team haven't even been in before, so uh, any boost for them, obviously, like I said, devastating for the Wilds' playoff chances because, I mean, they have capable guys behind him, you know, Spurgeon, Dumba, Brodeen, but no one of Suter's class, and I think that's just going to destroy them. Uh, in Colorado, too, losing Simeon Varlamov, he's done for the year. I mean, Jonathan Bernie has played very well for them, but it, and Varlamov has been on fire for the last month or so, and that's pretty devastating. Their chances, too, right now, uh, they're the last team in by a point with uh, the Blues being a point behind yeah, behind them, but a game in hand, so they're on the edge. It'd probably be better off. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. If you were Nashville, would you rather play uh, Colorado or, or St. Louis? I almost think it doesn't. I think I'd rather play St. Louis, but I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I don't think it does either. I was kind of hoping Colorado would stay healthy and uh, play Vegas because those games have been very entertaining, but uh, it seems pretty unlikely at this point that that's going to happen. Uh, which two of the California teams are going to play each other is still up in the air, but uh, 
that's those are the big devastating ones for uh, teams in the West. You know, in the East, you know, the Capitals clinched the division. Um, Boston's looking very good to win the division now. They do play Tampa tonight, so you know if Tampa can't win that game, then they're tied. You know, play, having played one more game, they still got a shot. But if Boston wins today, it's basically over, and they're yep. playing uh, Toronto. And we're we're almost to the point. You know, Florida. They're probably about ten percent to make it now. Uh, you know, they're five points back. They do have a game in hand, uh, but, but there's only on like Boston twice, and there's just so few games. games. They play, but they, yeah, it, it, but they're not. I mean, they play the Sabers, but they also have Boston twice in Nashville. Now, if Boston wins today, you know, it's pretty much in the bag for the division. So maybe those other two games are easier, uh, but. Especially if it comes down to the last day and Boston's already got it wrapped up, that game might literally mean nothing for them and Florida would have a chance. But like I said, the chances are probably about 10% if even. I mean, the Devils play the Rangers today. Their other two games are tough, but they win that game. Even if they lose the other two, Florida has to go 4 0, and it's hard to imagine them going 4 0 against uh, Nashville and Boston twice. And the Flyers, I mean, they play the Islanders, who've been a disaster. Carolina and the Rangers, so they're getting in. So we pretty much know the eight teams in the East, and you know, we got one extra team in the West that's still fighting for. I mean, Dallas has already been eliminated based on uh, the other teams playing each other. So usually there's a bit more drama at the end, at least. But it's you know, it looks like you know, there's a good chance last game of the year is uh, St. Louis at Colorado and. You know, that could be the game to determine who gets to get smoked by Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really think they're going to get whoever. I think almost the entire West is going to get smoked by Nashville. I, I don't want to be, like, down on Winnipeg because I'm not. But Yeah, I, I honestly think I think right now I think Winnipeg's the second-best team in the league, actually. But I think I, I don't really like them. I mean, it's hard to think anyone really matches up well with Nashville. But I don't know. I really don't like uh, – Winnipeg's chances there. I just can't. I just can't believe that they have to play each other in the second round. Like that's. that's I I think the the big thing is you know Toronto's Toronto and Boston are the ones who get screwed this year, and Winnipeg too, obviously in Nashville for that matter. But those are some big markets that might actually you know make things change that they're the ones getting screwed. I mean, we can only hope that how anyone could like this playoff system. I mean, it's beyond me. Right now, you'd be looking at, you know, the second and third best teams in the East based on points playing each other in the first round. Like, how, that's not fair. Like, there's no other way around it. It's just not fair. And yeah. It's just, you hope to God it's going to they, – they change it because, you know, whether they just go back to the, the one through eight in each conference or one through 16 whole league or you said pick your poison, I don't care, but – I mean, this just is so bad. There's no other way to, to put it, really. Yeah. Um, I do want to know, Washington actually hopped on quite a heater lately. And um, mm. them and Columbus, like, Columbus can still overtake Pittsburgh for home ice in that first-round matchup. Right. Philadelphia is actually tied with Columbus, even in regulation overtime wins. I'm trying to figure out what exactly the tiebreaker is. That Columbus has, I think it's just regular wins. Maybe uh, I'm honestly not sure. I'll see if I can find the. Yeah, I need I need to look up I'll what the time the, the tiebreaker time rules now. are because they have the same regulation and overtime win total. But Columbus has 44 wins mm-hmm. and Philly only has 40. But Philly also has 14 overtime losses, which is a lot. Um, anyways, yeah, that's, but that's kind of crazy. But Washington oh, did. Uh, Washington won the division. They've looked really good lately, and Ovechkin's up to forty-six goals. Um, Columbus has won eight of their last ten. They're they've honestly just been a monster until they ran into Vancouver of all teams, and even then they were down. Yeah, I think Vancouver's it was four. Got, Vancouver's ripped off four in a Vancouver's ripped off four in a row to. To really shoot them up the standings, which is kind of unfortunate for them. Yeah, I don't like that's got to be so infuriating if you're a Canucks fan. 
that's got to be infuriating. Yeah. Um, it's Sabres, a head-to-head record for the tiebreaker, by the way. It's what? For a head-to-head record after. Uh, oh, okay. The ROWs. Well, so that makes sense. Columbus then. must have a better record against Philly then. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can talk about Vancouver for a little bit just because the, the Sedins are retiring. Um, you know, obviously two Hall of Famers, second most points all time from a pair of brothers in NHL history, behind Wayne Gretzky and Brent Gretzky, who had three points. Yep. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, just two remarkable guys. I mean, you can't tell the two apart. They're they're just ridiculous. They both are going to finish with averaging .8 points per game in their career. Um, like I said, no doubt Hall of Famers. It's a shame they didn't win a cup or anything, but they. Uh, it's going to be a new time in Vancouver. It's a transition period. Uh, I don't know if I were them, I would just give Bor Horvat the captaincy, but I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, they're going to need some time to rebuild because I mean, the Sedins still are having good years. I mean, it's. Yeah, they, like, the minutes weren't quite what they used to be, they're, though. They're hopeless. I mean, they're, right. No, for sure. And that's but that's kind of like a good thing in a way. It'll help them develop these other guys. But you know, you you play them in an offensive only role. You know, whatever fifteen minutes a game or so, and they could still obviously produce. I mean, Daniels got fifty two points and Hendricks got forty eight. So. You're talking 50 points for each of them, assuming Henrik gets a couple in these last few games. Um, yeah, 15 minutes a game average. It's it's a lot of points for they're going to lose. I mean, this is already a team who's really lacking in scoring. Once you get past Besser and Horvat, nobody else in this team is even playing at like a 40-point a pace besides uh, the Sedins. Uh, Sven Berchi would be at like 45 if he didn't get hurt. So... I mean, this team is just really hurting for goal scoring. Uh, yeah. There really isn't a quick fix. I mean, maybe, if, you know, they get lucky in the lottery to get up to number two or three and you get Sveshnikov or Zadina, they might be able to play right away. But, you know, their their prospect pool is, is solid. I assume Elias Peterson will be over next year and that will help. But they're more blue line heavy, so I don't know. It's going to be tough for Vancouver in the next few years to – get out of the basement. I mean, I, I know Arizona is worse than them right now, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind of it's been a rough situation for the last couple of years and you know, it's just the little things that set them back, you know. You didn't get anything for Vanek. You got UC Jokic and, and Tyler Mott. Like what is that going to do? You yeah, that does nothing. Pick. Like th- we talked about that on the trade down podcast is like one of the worst trades because you got to get something back. It does your team any good, and they didn't. And, you know, Vanek has helped Columbus a lot, so that was a head-scratcher. And there's been plenty of Jim Benning head-scratchers over the years, so I don't really need to pile on him anymore. But it is a, a – they deserve some credit for their career and you know, never never heard a bad thing about the sideboards. Um, okay, so the one, th- one other thing I do want to discuss – um, last night, or when this gets posted, Monday night, Eric Carlson at the after uh, they won, I believe Ottawa won. No, they lost no, six they to five six at to home. Five, yeah. They lost six to five at home. Also, entertaining game. Um, mm-hmm. at the end of the game, Eric Carlson picks up the puck and puts it in his uh, pants and like sneaks it into his uh, equipment and skates off the ice. Um. This was the last home game for Ottawa this year. So, obviously, like, and of course it's all caught on camera. So, let's just ask the obvious question. Was that Eric Carlson's last home game in Ottawa? Because I think it's yes. I mean, I would lean yes. If you don't get a deal, if you can't get him to agree to a deal, even some point in the offseason, I mean, preferably before the draft, but... You, you have to put it on the table. You can't let him walk for nothing. Uh, you know, this, it's uh, I mean, they're going to finish second last or last in the league, more than likely. Uh, obviously, that's not where they thought they'd be after being a goal away from making the cup finals last year. But this team's got a lot of problems, and I don't. I wouldn't blame him for not wanting to stay. All the stuff coming up, out with the owner being cheap with tourists. Uh, it's just been a bad situation. Maybe it is for the best for them to just, them to just – part their ways and 
you know, Ottawa would obviously be in horrible shape if that happens. Shabbat is showing some signs. Duchesne's actually played well uh, since he's been on Ottawa, and, and that is encouraging. But that blue line is already a disaster, and it's only going to get worse if they get rid of Carlson. I mean, they could get a big return, I'm sure. Every Most of the teams around the league will be lining up to get him, but um, I guess, you know, he wasn't sure if he'll be back, and it's better to be safe to have it, but... Yeah, I would I would lean towards he's not going to be back. I mean, I don't know. Your thoughts? I think he's gone. Um, I think probably right after the trade deadline, they told him that they were going to move him in the offseason. Like, picking up the puck, it's, it's one thing if it's like, okay, well, maybe they'll work out a deal with me, so I'm not even thinking about it. Like, that, that's a premeditated thing. And it's not normal to do that. And I know yeah, Eric it definitely had to be sitting in the back of his head for sure. Right. And I, I the like other. whether they told him or he subconsciously was, the, you know, he thought like, oh, wow, I might be done here kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think he knows that he's play. not coming back. I just think he knows he's not coming back. I'm interested to see who the suitors are for him, though. That, that to me is the fascinating thing. Like, who's. Man. Like who yeah, is I don't it? Know. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could list a bunch of different teams, and I mean, obviously they have to have the cap space. Uh, I mean, the Rangers are always in play for big trades. Um, I think New, I think Vegas would be all about it. Um, I think New Jersey would make a lot of sense. Uh, hmm. I guess those would be the first three that came to mind. I mean, I don't. I don't know if Colorado would want to part with the assets to do it. Um, you know, they do like Tyson Jost and Kerfoot and those guys. I mean, obviously they would trade them to get Carlson, but it's going to take it's going to take a big piece. And I don't, I'm not sure they really have it outside of Rantanen and McKinnon, which obviously they won't do for one year at Carlson. So, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else out west besides Vegas that would make some sense that that can afford to pay him nine or ten million on his next contract does anyone in the west stand out to you i mean la's books are cooked same with the dogs like Calgary, san jose see. still has room like that's the that's the we big have, wild card is san jose but you have to trade for him like well yeah but that, i mean if they have the room it means i guess i mean you probably lost thornton at that point and evander yeah. You assume Thorne might gone. have enough room otherwise, and I mean the fit there would be. I don't. I don't know if he is. You think he's going to be gone for sure? I do. Like, I think what's going to happen know. is they're going to feel pressure. They're going to feel pressure to. They're going to feel pressure to move him because they mm. like. They already lost out on the maximum value they could have gotten for him. That was at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. If you wait till right. next trade deadline to move him, what's a team giving up? Oh, you're not getting shit. You're not getting you're jack getting, shit you're, from it's a pure rental. No, you pure rental. Some I mean, team that's gonna you're gonna get a first. You're you'll get a first and a good prospect. You know, cut the uh, cut Nemestikov and JT Miller out of that trade, and one of the prospects. And, and look at what's left in the McDonough trade. I mean, you'll get a li- something along those lines, and this is going to be much better because difference for one year. It, it might be worse, honestly, because the McDonough had a year and a half left, where yep. Carlson only had the will only have the half year. So uh, it's yeah, it won't be a good return. I mean, you're right. The, the best time to move him would have been this trade deadline, but and I still think they have some hope in their mind that they can convince him to stay. I, I don't see it. Uh, unless they offer him an absurd amount of money and he just takes it. But, uh, yeah, I'm assuming he's gone. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, They play the Sabres tomorrow for the tank race, and if the Sabres lose that game in regulation, uh, locks up last place. I think they might have it locked up if they lose in overtime either way. But, uh I don't think it'll be as crazy as when the Sabres played Arizona, the McDavid Eichel year, but I think it's going to be a very strange crowd at the Sabres game tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, like, 
I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but if Ottawa wins in regulation, it's over. Buffalo will clinch 30, yeah. 31st. Then yeah. Ottawa's, like, which if you're Buffalo, you really want 31st. Because there's, what, four guys that you're like, yeah. they. I think there are four guys that could play in the yeah. NHL next year. Like, I, I counted know, I, four. I'd have to look a little closer, but I mean, I feel like the top three, I don't want to say it's like super cut and clear, but I do think at this point, uh, I mean, obviously Darlene's first, but I think Svechnikov and Zadina kind of made themselves two and three. And I think Brady Kachuk is not. I think Brady Kachuk's not nearly as far from Zadina and Svechnikov as people think. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people really like Kachuk, and I've also seen a lot of people down on him. I know. Uh, your buddy Corey Priman, he had him ranked like 14th in this draft class or something to Kachuk, and I was very surprised. Um, I I don't know. I <laughs> you've already we've already seen how far Matt came along, and Brady's further than he was at that point. So I I, I really don't know where he's going to go at this point. I think he's probably in a group considered in in the tier tier two or three. However, if you want to look at Dolly in his own tier with. Uh, the two other defensemen, Hughes and uh, Boquist, and a few of the other forwards, uh, you know. But, yeah, I think Kachuk right now is, is the biggest draft wild card. Uh, you know, we can look at the draft more uh, later on. But you're right. I mean, now the the odds of the first pick, you know, it's not what they used to be. You're 18.5%. But the odds of staying in the top three this year is back up to about 56.5%, which is higher than it was before. So in that regard, it is kind of a big deal to to have first, like you said. I mean, worst case, you know, you can fall the four still. I mean, it happened to Colorado last year, but odds are you're going to stay in the top three somewhere. And in this draft, I mean, it, it, it would be a tough situation for the Sabres if, you know, you get the second pick. Uh, do they trade it uh, to move back a couple spots and then take a defenseman? You know, right now, the Rangers would be looking around pick, uh, I don't know, nine or ten, give or take, in the lottery. And, you know, they have three first-round picks. Would they be willing to move two or three of them to really move up? Um, I don't think so. I don't see teams with that kind of ammo. Sorry, um, if I'm the Sabres, I don't trade out of the pick. I, I'm uh, – if I'm picking – like, if whoever gets – pick one isn't trading it like Rasmus Dahlin is that's it like that's who you're picking right um if I'm the Sabres I look at a lot of their season and I think well my goaltending was the shit but I also have Omar coming up my defense is shit but I didn't have Gooley mm-hmm. for 90% of the year I just signed Borgen to a to a ATO like uh, like, I should be better on the back end. George just comes off the books. Bolu yeah, isn't no, on the I agree. books. I, I think the big problem is you look he at might, the... F- uh, he might be RFA. But you look way. at the forward group. Like, there were long stretches where they couldn't score. Right. So, no, if yeah, I mean, they're definitely hurting in both areas. I mean, the, the blue line's... Got everything. I mean, it doesn't have a number one, which is the hardest thing to get. But uh, you know, you have Scandella, Gooley, and Risto as three of your top four. I think you're fine. It's just finding a way somehow to get that number one guy, which you know, obviously Dalian would be perfect for. But I, I think you, you're right. You just take the, you take Zadina or Svechnikov, and from there, you just, you know, hope to find it some other place somehow. Or like you said, you get to the point where you get, you know, Borgin develops more, and McCabe comes back, and you you just have basically three second pairs in, you know, in the regular season at least that'll get you kind of far in the playoffs. It'll be tougher, but um, yeah, you're right though. You know, I probably am under overstating how. Much trouble, the blue line, you know, how bad they've been. But you're right. I mean, Gouley has made a big difference. Just that raw speed. Um, what are your impressions on Middlestat in his uh, three games so far? Um, I think he's looked good. I think, 
Like the the matchups haven't been like they haven't been great objectively, mm-hmm. right? So he gets an assist uh, against Detroit, which is probably the best matchup he's going to get. Right. Um and I'll just say it, in that Detroit game, Reinhardt looked like he just didn't want to play that night. He he looked disinterested, he didn't look fast, he didn't look like he could control the puck and so on and so forth. And Middlestead only had like 12 minutes of ice time that game. Right. Middlestead still finds a way to get an assist and a shot at net. And he had some, like, uh, scoring chances that were, oh, wow, okay. Like, he's bringing speed. Um, the game against Nashville was weird because the Sabres were on the power play, like, the entire game. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really a flow to the game. And he still found a way to get an assist, which I'm going to be honest, I, I really don't know how they gave him credit for an assist there. Like, he touched the puck, and then, like, 25 seconds later, it goes in the net. <laughs> I'm like, how was he getting credited for this? Like, I'm not going to hate on it, but Jesus Christ. Um, And then their last game against Toronto. Listen, Toronto's really good. Yeah. They're really fast, and everything Toronto shot went in the net because <laughs> yeah, Chad Johnson they're... couldn't stop anything. So, and... Rasmus Ristolainen was all over the place in his own zone, not in a good way. Like, he right. was not in any correct position for most of that game. Um, Like, he had flashes. Like, I think a lot of it comes down to he just needs line mates, right? Like, and Toronto's a yeah, weird I mean, thing I, because... I they just need to give him minutes, too. Just, like, what are you playing for? Like, not nothing. Play, just... Give him seventeen minutes and see how he does. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like a, a Tolvanen situation in Nashville where, yeah, I mean, he's only playing eleven, twelve minutes, but that's but, fine because they're they're a one seed and they have the depth to do it. Like, the Sabers have nothing to lose. Like, I, I don't. It's not like he's gonna Middlestat's gonna come in and light the world on fire and it's gonna cost you finishing last. Like, just get the kids some more time. Put him on the first power play unit, which I know sounds a bit silly now that you know they've had six power play goals in the last two games. But you know, try him out there in a postal spot or something. Um, it, it's a little stuff like that that irritates me. Like, yeah, like it's kid more. It's one thing to put him on the second power play unit, <clears throat> but when the first yeah. unit's out there for a minute forty-five, like what what good is being on the second power play unit? Right. No, yeah, and that keeps happening, too. I mean, the first unit's been so good that they're just staying out there. I mean, you know, maybe maybe tomorrow at home, you know, against Ottawa, which is his other good matchup to close the year, maybe we see him play a little bit more. I hope so. I mean, they, I'll, I'll be watching that game regardless. It should be fun. It actually kind of has the makings of a, like, 5-4 type of game because Ottawa's been scoring lately and they've given up a lot. and. Same with the Sabers, really. So, uh, I mean, have you have you seen Tolvanen play at all, or or any of these other young guys like uh, Henrik Borgstrom in Florida? Uh, I watched some of uh, Borgstrom. He looked okay. Like mm. again, that's a tough situation. Like that team's fighting for playoffs, and mm. Bob Bugner has pretty much said, like, I'm rolling my top six and especially my top three so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. That it makes it hard for Borgstrom to get like um, meaningful minutes, right? Uh, I think Tolvanen looked okay. Like again, the Sabers game was a complete wash for for me. Like the yeah. little spurts I saw of him, but they were shorthanded most of that game. Yeah, it was a um, really tough spot to be. In. And then I'm just gonna say this because I know you've mentioned him a couple times, and I think a lot of people have sort of uh, left him under the radar. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois for Columbus is going to be an absolute monster next year. Uh, I think he had a hat-trick in, like, one period. Was it a natural hat-trick, I think? I believe so, but he definitely had a hat-trick in that game. Um, he is going to be so good next year. It, it's actually disgusting. Um, like, I'm really looking forward to seeing where he gets drafted. I, I think it depends on who you're drafting with, like, if right. you're drafting in the um, in our Rasball league, like if you if you're drafting in a league where Viz and I are in it, you're probably gonna have to overpay for Dubois. Like, 
You're probably really going to have to yeah, overpay I mean, for him if you want him. It's a, t- it's a tough thing. Like, he's probably been too good this year for me to write a sleeper post on him for in the offseason. But, I mean, obviously, I love, I'm, try- I mean, I'm trying to think where I would even put him at this point. I mean, it, it might be, like, too aggressive to put him in the top 100, but I'm, I'm, I actually think I'd probably do it, like, in the 90s at some point, similar to where, where I had, like, Aho and Dadanoff this year, like right at the tail end of the top hundred, just to hope I get them and then see where ADP is. And if I have to move them up, move them up because you're right, I want a piece of them. Uh, you know, he's giving you decent penalty minutes too. Uh, you know, he's just over two shots a game, but I, I think that'll get better. It usually does for players in their second year. You know, it's not like Panarin is just a guy who takes a ton of shots either. Like he's got a solid shot rate, but it's not like he's a guy putting four shots a game on. So the opportunity is there for, for Dubois to take more shots. Uh, yeah. The ups, the upside there is through the roof. I mean, I, I think something like a hundredth overall, I, I mean, maybe that is a bit too aggressive, but if, if it got to the point where I told you that, I don't know, he had 70 points next year, you wouldn't be surprised. So add in decent pally minutes and, uh, an okay shot but upside from there. Um, and the other thing, too, is the, the Blue Jackets' power play was so bad to start. The, like, the whole first half of the year, they were, like, 11%. So there's built-in upside just in their power play not being a disaster for a whole month or three months, really. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Dubois. Uh, out, of, out of Middlestat, Tolvan, and Borstrom, do you think there'll be holds next year at some point, or are they just going to be streamer guys? I mean, obviously, long term, they're all going to be holds long term. Yeah, right. I mean, I think Tolvan and I think he actually probably has more fantasy upside than Milstead does, because I, I could see him scoring forty goals in like thirty five regularly because his shot is just so good. Every his release is amazing and everything. And Middlestad, he's going to be a well-rounded, and he'll be great too. Um, I think. Um, be below, but so the way I view it is, so you have to think. Okay, so what's going like? I almost don't like answering this question before like the draft and everything happens after that, mm-hmm. because there are a couple things in mind. One, I think Tolvanen is going to be pretty close to a hold next year. Yeah. Um, I think Borgstrom is going to be a streamer next year, bordering a hold, because I think Bugner is going to realize he can't just play six forwards the entire game. And they'll well, probably I mean, put... the, I mean, the other thing, too, is, I mean, he might just be one of them. They might play him on the second line. Which might be even better for right. Borgstrom. Um, Dubois, I think, will be a hold next year. He's, oh, I, yeah. In my mind, he, easily. Yeah, yeah he's, um, he's in his own class from these guys i mean yeah i mean tovan and the only tough thing is it's just is he going to get the minutes because their team is so stacked i think he will because they're going to have a whole offseason to integrate him into the line mm-hmm. into like a top six role they'll right. shuffle I mean, the, they already they've already put him on the first power play unit too i mean granted arvidson is out right now i forgot to include him too he missed sunday's game uh doesn't sound super serious I mean, i'm hoping he'd be back for to start the playoffs but Regardless, yeah, Tolvanen's got that spot right now on the first power play unit, so they're clearly have faith in him to, to make an impact there. Yeah, and I think a big one um, – so for Middlestat, the reason I said I don't like answering this before the draft, um, there's a part of me that thinks Ryan O'Reilly somehow gets moved this offseason. I, I don't know why I keep coming back to it, but the way, like, the way it would work would be O'Reilly, if they don't move him, in theory, the Sabres would love to have Eichel first line center, Millsat second line center, O'Reilly third line center. You yeah, can't I mean, O'Reilly th- can play the wing though. I mean, he's played the wing for a while in Colorado too. So I, I agree. I think it is in play. I, I mean, I'm definitely not ruling it out. You're not the only person who thinks it, but I do think there is a chance that they just put O'Reilly on Eichel or Middlestat's wing too. Yeah, depending but- on, like you said on how the off season goes. Like I know that they, I know that teams called about O'Reilly at the deadline this past mm. year. I, I like I know that, and I'm thinking 
teams wouldn't call on a guy with five years left on his deal at what's he seven point two million or seven, yeah, it's like seven point one, seven point yeah, one million I per. This is this is his third year here, right? So he's got oh yeah, the extension didn't kick in right away. So right, yeah, five years left. So it was seven years, fifty million. So what you know, seven point one four or whatever. Right, like you don't you don't make those calls unless you are pretty sure that th- that that guy is somewhat available. I'm willing to bet that Botterill like seriously listened to offers because I like <coughs> like what like what is the role of him at this point? Like you can if you're Botterill, you if and Middlestat develops the way you think he can and he can be an impact second liner. If he can be a Barzil to uh, Eichel, uh, Eichel's yeah. Tavares, then what is the point of Ryan O'Reilly? You can't be overpaying him because you have the $10 million a year Eichel extension kicking in next year. You're going to have to give Sam Reinhardt a bridge deal. That'll be $4 million a year probably. Then you still have Ristolainen on the books. You still have Bogosian on the books. You still have Akposo's behemoth of the contract. Mm-hmm. on the books which there's no world in which you'll ever be able to move that right um like you, you still have Pominva on the book for books for i think two more years one, one more year one more year yeah i thought it was two two when they got him i'm pretty sure i mean i think it was 100%. three when they got him because it was supposed to be a salary dump for minnesota I remember thinking him and Molson both get off the books next year, but let me double check. Uh, yeah, one more year at five point six million cap hit, okay. which is obviously rough. Yeah, like that—that's not good. And like they're finishing dead last in the league this year. You can't be that close to the cap to the salary cap and completely suck. Like, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, again, it could get to the point where O'Reilly, I mean, the contract might be a little rough at the end. Granted, he's still only 27, so you're, you might be 28 now. But either way, you're not really getting the downside, like the true downside of his career on that contract. It's not too bad. Yeah, he is 27. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> if they want to make a drastic move, I mean, he's the guy have to, they have to trade because where else – what else are you going to do? You're not trading Eichel. You're not trading Middlestat. You're not trading Reinhardt at this point. No one on the blue line really changes much. So I, I think if they do want to make a big trade, it, I think it almost has to be him by default. Unless yeah. it's some like massive salary dump where like you get rid of Bogosian's two years or something. Like I just don't, I don't really see any other big trade out there. Yeah, I get I- – like I could see them moving O'Reilly like at the draft. Say they say they get the second pick, right? Let's in theory say that mm. they get the second pick. So they're not gonna get Rasmus Dahlin. They move O'Reilly for like a like a top let's just say they get like a top young defenseman and what's a borderline like salary dump in a way. They then they get that young defenseman and they draft uh, Zadina, who mm. is conveniently enough a left winger, which the Sabres prospect pool I believe is Alex Nylander and end of list for top six left wingers. Now all yeah, of a sudden, now all of a sudden you have added serious depth. You have middle stat as your second line center. You can move Rodriguez to your third line center. Which even then I'm not overly comfortable with, but like you kind of have to do it for the next year. <coughs> um, I do want to get into one thing other than the Sabers because I know people probably are sick of listening to us talk about the Sabers and the dead lastness of them. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about bigger disappointments, and they're actually right next to each other in the NHL standings. Um, one team has 82 points. The other one is 88 points. And based on where we talked about them uh, in our season previews, I, I want to know which one you think is the bigger disappointment. Is it Dallas with 88 points and five points out of a playoff spot? Or is it Calgary who's 11 points out of a playoff spot with 82 points? I think it, I think it's Dallas, actually. Um, Calgary's... Their season really fell apart when Smith got hurt and the backups weren't that good. And then Smith came back and he was awful. 
Like, they're not as bad as, you know, they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They're not that bad, I don't think. Um, you know, D- Dallas, it's just, I don't, I don't get how they've just, they fell off a cliff. And they were, like, this is in the last month. They lost to just some truly awful teams that there's just no excuse for that for, like, Calgary we really like because they're top end guys, but that bottom six stinks. And Gulletson is horrible, and I really hope, uh, you know, if you're a Calgary fan, I, I mean, I would be hoping he gets fired. I it just, I don't get what he's doing. Like the, the fourth line is really bad, and he plays the fourth line or his fourth line more than any other team plays their fourth line in the league, which I just don't understand. But, but in the last two weeks or three weeks, uh, Dallas lost four one uh, to Vancouver. They lost three to two to Ottawa. Four to two to Montreal, and they were all at home. Those are some awful losses. They also lost to Ottawa three to two in Ottawa. Like that is just those are inexcusable losses. Like I can understand, you know, you lose to Boston, you lose to Minnesota, that's fine. But you know, they were about eighty eight percent at one point to make the playoffs and looking like the sure fire third place team in that division. And then they just completely fell apart. Uh, you know, Calgary, you know, their elite guys are all super young. I mean, Kachuk obviously got her too. He's 20. You know, Goudreau, 24. Monet, 23. You know, there's your main core in Hamilton, 24. Like besides Giordano and obviously Smith, they're still positioned. You know, these guys aren't even near their prime yet. Where Dallas, I mean, Sagan and Ben – uh, you know, they're 28 and 26. Uh, Radulov's 31. They're a little further, uh, you know, along in terms of age. You don't you don't really see the high upside either. Where Where's where's the improvement coming on this Dallas team? It's going to have to come from outside the organization probably, you know, unless they can convince, like, Nikushkin to come back, uh, who never really developed. His, I was never a big fan of him in his draft year, but – Obviously, he would help, but where they're, the bottom six doesn't really have much upside, you know, outside of probably Faxa. I don't really see how they're going to get better. Um, I mean, I guess you could say Honka, Wendell can maybe take another step. I don't know, but I, I don't know. What do, what do you think? I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here, but I, I would say Dallas has disappointed me a little bit more. You know, granted, I was high, I was super high on Calgary, obviously, but I did think. Dallas's floor was higher. I mean, right now they're going to finish at best 94 points, which I guess when you put it that way, that's a somewhat realistic floor. But uh, to, to start that well and tailspin without anyone really being out, I mean, Bishop missed a little bit of time, but it wasn't as bad as Smith. And then when Smith came back, he was just a nightmare. So I don't know. I'd, I'd lean towards Dallas. Yeah, I, I think it's Dallas too. Um, like it's really hard. Like Dallas is twenty six, twelve and three at home. Like that's a mm-hmm. that that's a playoff worthy home record. Right. They're fourteen, nineteen and five on the road. Like that's just not good. Um, they like Dallas. I think is a better team than Colorado. I think they are a better, mm-hmm. much better team than St. Louis is right now. I right. think they're a better team than the Kings are, but their their standings don't show that. Like I, I just look at Dallas, and I'm wondering what like what happened. Like especially those games that you mentioned in the past two two or three weeks, you win half of those. We're not talking about Colorado in the playoffs. We're talking about Dallas. We're we're not talking about yeah. Anaheim yeah. holding the first wild card. We're talking about Dallas holding the first wild. Yeah, card. at the, at the least, I mean. If you do split those games, you go two and two. You're at, you're sitting at 92 points. You're one point back in Colorado with the game in hand. You're right there at least. Now I mean, they're already eliminated, like I said, because Colorado plays the Blues the last game of the year. They can't catch them. So, I mean, Calgary, my theory on Calgary being really good was I thought they could have an awesome top four. And the problem was Hemonic and Brody have been average second pair guys. They haven't been really good and that that hurt them a ton ignoring smith too they've also had some ridiculously bad shot luck but that's besides the point i mean dallas 
they, Radulov's been great. Uh, I mean, Sagan and Ben have had their normal years. Klingberg was leading the league in uh, defenseman points for a while. It, it's just the secondary guys, they're just not really there. And like I said, it's just maybe it's the way they collapsed in way more uglier fashion than I could have ever imagined that bothered me. But it's like uh, uh, none of the other teams that are missing the playoffs surprised me. You know, like we liked uh, Carolina to make it probably, you know, they're going to miss. And it's the same stories every other year, the goaltending. But you, you look at all the other teams, you know, the teams that miss in the East, none of them are surprises, at least to us. Like we were both that way down on Montreal and we're right on that. Um, you know, I kind of like Florida is the last team in. They're probably going to just miss being that. You know, you look at the, the West, we really like the Blues floor, but then, you know, they got just murdered with injuries earlier in the year, and they still might get in. Who knows? Uh, you know, but Chicago, we were way down on them. Uh, I picked them to miss the playoffs too. So okay, yeah, I just want to be Edmund, clear. I guess Edmund, Edmonton too, but I, I mean, I don't know. I guess we whiffed on Edmonton, but everybody did. We just didn't we almost say that Chicago was going to finish last in that division? I, f- I feel we like we said that we could. They said that we could. I mean, I remember personally picking. We, we said Colorado would finish last. But I remember saying Winnipeg could finish anywhere from second to sixth, which you know they've hit the high. <laughs> they're hit, they've hit second. They're, they've just been unbelievable this year. And I remember picking Chicago to finish fifth, but I uh, I don't remember exactly where you put them. I'd have to go back and listen. I remember to them. I know we were I mean, we both picked them to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Because we talked about that as like potentially one of the best bets was to bet them to to miss the playoffs. Uh, we talked about them and the Ducks, who the Ducks looked like a good bet for a while, and then they finally all got healthy and you know, obviously three points clear with three to go are pretty big favorites to hold on. But I, I mean, I, let's let's say out of Dallas, Calgary, Edmonton. Uh, Who's most likely to get back in next year? Whose situation do you like the most? It's kind of tough because, like, I, I like Dallas, but it's like you guys still got to go through Nashville and Winnipeg. You know, granted, you can still get third place, but yeah. Colorado's going to be better. Just, you know, I assume Kale McCarrow will be up. Um, all the other young guys outside of Ratton and McKinnon are going to get better. I mean, even they, I mean, it's hard to imagine those, those two getting better, but. I think they I mean, could. They are 20, and was McKinnon, is he 23 now? In like, Ratton's, I mean, that's, they might get better. It's not out of the question. Um, um, McKinnon's, McKinnon's only 22. Um, you know, the blue line, you know, they miss Barry for a bit, and he obviously I'll, Gerard will get better. Clear out some of this dead weight. I mean, you look at their bottom six. You know, you got like Blake Como, a lot of other guys who are very underwhelming that they could improve on. So that that, that division is just such a bloodbath. I mean, Chicago. I mean, I just think they're screwed. It's hard to imagine them doing anything next year, honestly, unless they completely revamp the blue line. Um. Yeah, I think the for me, like the interesting one, people are going to say, oh, Edmonton will bounce back. There's only one world in which I see Edmonton all of a sudden score, like shooting up 25 point different and getting into the playoffs next year. And that's pretty much if they win the lottery or land like Eric Carlson in the offseason. Um, or, I mean, or, or I guess if Talbot plays like he did last year, like that, I mean, part of it. I don't want to completely put on him because uh, that blue line is just as like awful. Like Clef bomb just fell off a cliff. Uh, everyone else is underwhelming, really. Uh, but you know, if he gets his save percentage back up to, you know, he was nine seventeen his first year in Edmonton, nine nineteen last year. If he gets it back up to nine seventeen, even, uh, you know, he's at nine oh seven right now. You're talking, you know, that's what one goal. You know, that's he's saving twenty five thirty goals. Um, you do that, and now you know where they are in terms of point differential right now. Um, sorry, standings are loading real quick, but you know that that would obviously be a massive swing. Yeah, they're minus thirty-one, so that gets them almost to even in goal differential. And you know, generally, if you're close to even, you're in 
you're in the playoff race. I mean, all nine teams right now, or all eight teams in the East that are in the playoffs are plus cool difference. Florida's the best of teams out with minus three. Um, obviously, the West is a little better with Dallas and St. Louis being a plus goal difference. But you're right. I mean, Dahlia would go a long way. It, it, they really just need to help the blue line and help Talbot out because, I, I mean, like I said, I can't blame him for having uh, over three goals against in a 907 when the amount of quality chances they give up is just – Oh, it's it's too much. I mean, I, I suppose there's a chance, right? McDavid just has 125 points and adds 20 more. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if that would that – would, would be enough to change everything, but it certainly would help. You yeah, know, there I, might, you might get to the point where he's just so good that they can't miss. Yeah, I'm not sure because, like, he's like McDavid's got 103 right now, and he started off slow. Right, like there was a stretch where he was in like the 20s in terms of uh, points in the league. And then all of a sudden, the past like two months, he's been like, "Nah, I'm just gonna score two points every game here, like go like going forward." Um. So, the problem is like, what other forward help is Edmonton getting? Like, uh, I guess you're hoping Yakamoto. You need Puyarvi and Yakamoto to pretty much light the world on fire, but I don't think Yakamoto is ready to do that next year. I think he's still another year away. From pro- yeah, he might be. Yeah, I mean, Yamamoto, he didn't look too good uh, while he was up in the beginning. So you're probably right in that regard. I mean, I guess I would, the old like Nurse was improved quite a bit, which is encouraging. And obviously, RNH had a really good under the radar year, but like, it, it's not a good spot. I mean, obviously, it's a good spot having David and Drysdale, but it's a pretty rough roster all around. I mean, I did like their trade deadline. You know, they got some little upside guys like uh, Auberg, but it's it's not an easy division either. That's part of the problem. You know, the California teams they're they're all aging, but I still think they have a couple more years at least of being you know quality. Obviously, Vegas, we don't know what's going to happen next year, uh, in ter- especially in terms of like the goaltending, which they've just got absurdly good goaltending from anyone who was in that besides legacy. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously Arizona has played very well for the last, I don't know, two months. So <laughs> there's not many teams that are just like hopeless uh, in terms of like getting back into the playoffs next year. I mean, how many teams do you think are actually like dead, like 5% or less to make the playoffs next year? Cause I'm looking at like Detroit, um, Vancouver, and that might be it. I mean, I really don't like Chicago's chances, but I don't no, think, I, I think they're not, they're not that low. But um, um, there's not much really. All right, so hold on. I mean, maybe Ottawa. I, I think Ottawa is dead. I I hate to do it. I think Buffalo's dead next year too. Uh, I still think they're another year away. Yeah, probably from like really pushing a wild card spot because like. They're so far behind Tampa. They're light years behind Toronto in terms of roster construction when it comes to speed. They are really they're really far behind Boston. Yeah, those those three teams are so far in front um, of me. It'll be interesting with how close they are to Florida next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so like to, it's, Detroit, t- it's just uh, sorry, it's just tough to see Florida's like big upside like. It's, it seems easy. You know, they have the hard parts done. You know, they have Barkov, Trocek. They have the top guys. Uh, but they already play those guys like 22, 23 minutes a game. Can't really – like, so even if they get a little better, it, it's not going to change. Like, so, you, so if these other guys develop, then they're just going to play less, those guys less minutes. You know, Barkov and Trocek's minutes come down, which isn't ideal either. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a mess. I don't know the the East, the, or the the Atlantic Division specifically. Like those three teams are just so cut and dry, better than the others, and you really don't see that changing. No. So it's kind of a brutal spot for those other five teams to be in, and it's no surprise that you know four of them are at the the bottom of the East altogether. So, um, and then next year just completely cut and dry. Vancouver done. Yeah. 
I'm going to say Chicago's done too. Like, what's their prospect pool? Like, what young defensemen do they have coming in? Not good. I mean, like, you're you guess you're banking on you know Crawford was playing extremely well earlier in the year, and at that point he uh, or Chicago was like right around a, a wild card spot before he went down. You know, granted it was only you know, 28 games, but he had a 9.29 save percentage. He was absolutely incredible. They probably need him to be a fringe Vezina contender to have any shot of getting back in. Yeah, and like they're another year older. Like they don't have like Patrick Sharp's on that team. Like how old is Patrick Sharp? <laughs> like Kane and Taze are not like spring chickens anymore. They're what thirty one. Oh, yeah. They're, no, they're they're both twenty nine. So I mean, they'll be thirty next year. Um, you know, Saad has just looked bad when I watch them. I I mean, I do like Schmaltz. He's been better than I expected. Uh, to bring it obviously is uh, is their big upside guy. But you're right. I mean, that blue line is just bad, and it's not going to get better with you know Keith and Seabrook. And looking. it's almost crazy to me. Ryan Hartman probably would have been a really really nice piece for them next year too. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that trade, and it seemed like Nashville did overpay a bit. But I mean, did they? A first round, you're talking about a first round pick and other stuff. Um, he's still only you know 23 years old, so obviously he is the kind of upside guy that uh, Chicago could use. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to judge Hartman right now because he's only playing, I don't know, 13 minutes a game for Nashville. So they don't need him to play anymore. So. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Chicago's in dire straits, and there's no way for them to get out of it either. I mean, if you're that, I mean, you're almost praying for a lockout to be able to buy out a couple guys if they add that in, which I hope they don't. I want teams to be punished for making horrible deals like the Seabrook one. But, you know, in in three years, and we're talking about the worst contracts in the league, it's – I mean, Taves is going to be mentioned there. I mean, it, it's already bad. He's doing me wrong. He's a very good player, but not ten and a half million good. And you know, Keith five point five not worth it anymore. Seabrook you know, six point eight seven five. I mean, that's just awful. You know, they're locked in. There's no way for them to get out of any money really. I mean, I guess you know, their Hosa is the only one because he's never going to play again. You know, that's that's it. Like, there's just there's no real upside on this roster outside of to brink it and he already scored 28 goals so how much better is he really going to get yeah i i don't know uh they're in a lot of trouble oh. although we should have seen this coming they've been dancing with the devil that is salary yeah. cap hell for mm. how many years now like we talked about how they've had one of the greatest stretches in nhl history in terms of just in the salary cap era being consistently right. a Stanley Cup favorite or high contender and winning it. They they won it, what, three times? Yeah. Like, three times. I think it was in a six- or five-year span or something. Like, mm -hmm. that's very uh, that's remarkable. That's, like, I'm pretty sure Taze and Kane are going to be, when it's all said and done, I, I think they're going to be in uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah. The thing is, like, eventually you, like... The chickens come home to roost. Like, they avoided salary cap problems for so many years. And they were, like, just teetering on. They were getting, They were to the point where they were, like, $50,000 under the salary cap. And it's like, okay, guys, like, at some point, like, you're going to have to suffer a little bit. Like, that's how this cap, that's how the salary cap works. And they avoided that for so long. And now it's like, okay, well. Like knock knock, like it's a salary cap, like time to time to pay up. Yeah, but um, you, again, you you keep making deals like, oh, I got to save money, and they trade away, you know, Brian Bickle's contract, and they have to give up Tara Vinen to do it. You know, granted, uh, you know, you did get a couple of draft picks still, but too, I mean, Tara Vinen's had a very good year, and now, you know, he's another guy. Obviously, they could desperately use. You know, um, he's scored in the Cup Finals for them. He's you know, he was 20 years old, the second youngest guy to ever have a multi-point game in the finals. You know, his rookie year, he had 10 points in the playoffs. Um, obviously, he's made huge strides so far this year. Like, those are the guys 
they, you know, they had to lose and now they're paying for it. And, you know, it, it's going to take a couple of years. There's no way around it. Yeah. And, and that's if you hit on all these other young guys and, you know, you have them on your ELCs and everything. But yeah, as far as like teams in the West go and in terms of next year, I mean, Vancouver is behind them. And honestly, that might be it. Like, I feel like Arizona might because this might have more upside than them. I, I guess I'd probably say Arizona and then or Vancouver, Arizona, then Chicago. But um, they're they're buried. There's just it's bleak. Like you said, I don't think any Blackhawk fans can really mind after what they've got to enjoy the last ten plus years. Yeah, uh, pretty much no one is feeling any sympathy for them. No, not at all. <laughs> So, um, okay, do we want to get into a three-point challenge here? Yeah, we might as well. Um, top 10, McDavid, Kucherov, Malkin, Giroux, McKinnon, Kopitar, Hall, Wheeler, Kessel, Stam- Stamkos, and Crosby. Hold on, this is, being posted, this is being posted Wednesday, right? I was going to get it up today. Right? Oh, okay, good, because there yeah. are only three games on Wednesday. And yeah, there's, like, yeah, everyone no, playing. No, yeah, we'll do. We'll try to get this up right away for Tuesday. Um, so we're looking at uh, Devils, Rangers, obviously the Devils at home, trying to not lock up a playoff spot but come close. Huge favorites in that game. Same with the Flyers at the Islanders. Columbus, massive favorites at Detroit. Winnipeg, favorites against Montreal. Boston, Tampa, obviously the game of the night. Um Nashville, Florida. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, Nashville rested Forsberg. They've been resting some guys. Obviously, Arvidsson's hurt. Game means a lot more to Florida, um, but obviously, Nashville's still a favorite. Um, Calgary, Arizona, just awful. I would. <laughs> I actually expect Arizona to win. I know they're an underdog, but Calgary's just a damn mess. Um, Vegas against Vancouver. Uh, that game means nothing to the Vegas. I guess potentially to have home ice if they play Winnipeg. I mean, they've clinched the division. I think that's the only way it can matter. Right now, Winnipeg is one point up on Vegas, so I guess in that regard, the game matters. It's about it. Um, and then Dallas, San Jose, the Sharks just clinched. Uh, you know, they're in good shape to have home ice against either the Ducks or the Kings, so I kind of expect them to, to take care of business, too. Uh, so I'll let you take the floor and Give your thoughts in a pick. Um, like Tampa, Boston, those are physical games. I I don't. They're not very high scoring either. So I'm not sure. I I already bet under six in that game, and yeah, I think it'll be a tighter game in general. I mean, it could be like a three-two game. It could be a seven-six game. I mean, they have the talent to it. I just don't see it. I think it'll be a a tighter game. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, so, like, I think the big one in terms of where there's going to be scoring, I'm looking at two games right now, or three games. I think Philly is just going to light it up against the Islanders. The Islanders, it is actually amazing. They were, like, buyers in a way at the trade deadline. The Rangers were sellers at the trade deadline. Yet the Rangers have, like, five more points in the standings than the Islanders. Like, the Islanders have just completely fallen off, and it's pretty much their goaltending and their blue line just can't do anything. Um, So I expect Philly to score a ton in that game. I expect Columbus to put up, like, eight goals against Detroit. (laughs) Uh, I'm not kidding you. Like, I I expect so many goals from Columbus in this game. And... uh, I think Winnipeg is just going to. I think if Carey Price plays, I don't even know if he's playing. If he plays, I expect him to get pulled in that game. Um, <laughs> like, hold on, let's see. Is he playing? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, he's playing. I, like, sure. man, it's just not good. Like, at all. Like he is a three oh five goals against average. I. I, mean, I don't expect that to I change. I can't remember a night where like so many games have lops such lopsided uh, betting like betting lines, um, you know, outside of 
I mean, the second closest game is Calgary, Arizona, but that game means literally nothing. Outside of that, outside of the Boston Tampa game, I guess it's Nashville, Florida. The next closest game, I don't even know what it is. These are some huge, huge betting lines, lopsided matchups. Yeah, so. All right, so let's go to. So I'm just trying to like figure out exactly where I want to go with this because I think I want to pick a Flyers player. Okay. So I think I'm going to go Voracek. Okay. Um, again, like I, I think the Islanders are going to kill him. Like I could also see like Panarin getting like five assists in this game. Uh, I mean, he did have four assists last game, so <laughs> it, obviously it's possible. Although back to back is kind of difficult to do. But yeah, like I just ex- I expect them to I expect those two t- I expect Columbus and Philadelphia to each get. Let's do my bold prediction. I think they'll both get seven goals in their games. <laughs> I- I'm not kidding. Like I no, expect I know, I them know. to blow out the opposition. Like just blow the doors off of them. I'm gonna go with uh, Mark Scheifele against Montreal. I just. Montreal just stinks. I know, I know Price is playing, but like they have who they got to match up on them. It doesn't matter. They don't have anyone like the top line on Winnipeg should do work, and you can't. I can't take Wheeler, so I'll I'll just go with uh, go with Mark Scheifele. Hope he plays more than last game. He only played about fourteen minutes uh, against Ottawa. Maybe they're that's their way of uh, not resting guys, but limiting the role. But I think. Yeah, even if he plays 15 minutes, get some decent power play time. I, I, I think he could get to three points. So, um, I'll go with him. Make your picks. You can either tweet him to us, uh, preferably you just post them right on hockey.rasball.com. First post, uh, go in the comment section. Uh, we'll probably do another podcast next week uh, once we know what the the playoff matchups are for the first round. Break down each series a little bit. Give our picks. I will set up the the Razball bracket challenge again. That I'll I'll get that up once the uh, the bracket is set and NHL.com gets everything launched. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, let us know in the comment section. I will. I'm planning on uh, at some point next week to post my way too early top 50 rankings for next year. Yeah, I still have to sit down and do that, but. Yeah, maybe we could do that a little next time or one of these times is like quick uh, mock draft for next year to see who we both kind of like. But uh, April, obviously, the season ending, uh, my writing is about to be done for the most part. I will have uh, the occasional sleeper post in the summer, something I like. And uh, obviously, like I said, my top 50, which everyone wants to always know, um, should be interesting because – like we talked about last week or two weeks ago now, uh, what to do even right at the top uh, after McDavid. Uh, you have McKinnon, Kucherov, Crosby, uh, a bunch of different options that are in play. So uh, anything else you want to talk about, Reed? Uh, no, that that should be it, I think. like I think we had a pretty wide range of topics so far. Yeah, we definitely did, so... Um, if you're still in your fantasy playoffs, um, best of luck to you. Um, enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, good luck to your whatever team you root for in real life to make the playoffs if they're one of those teams battling, or good luck in the tank race if you're rooting for one of the bad teams. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care, everybody.